we have a big weekend of Pixar magic to talk about and a whole lot of things uh, now that we're after the Blues have won the Stanley Cup, oh, we can we get did. back to normal. We did. It's the Real Times Trio. I am Carl, the intern middleman. And I'm Lynn Venhouse. And we're missing a third person this but, week. But my daughter is here who promised she's not going to say anything. So, ready? Don't say anything. Okay, perfect. We're going to talk about Toy Story 4 coming up next. Around the 28-minute mark, we're going to talk about the other new releases this week. And then around 30 minutes, we're going to talk about Pavarotti's new documentary by Ron Howard. Around the 40-minute mark, the new DVDs out this week, including us. Around 43 minutes, we're going to talk about the Muni's new season. Around 50 minutes, we will have movie news. And around 57 minutes coming up next week. So you can hear me on the Big 550 KTRS at Max on Movies every Saturday night. You can also follow me on Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern on Instagram also. And you can see all of my stuff from the St. Louis Blues uh, Parade and how I kicked it all off by blowing the goal horn and playing the St. Louis Blues March. That was a fun time. I am a part of a championship team. You are. I am. I blew the horn and played a lot of music ah, now for 23 seasons. And Michael Hafner, one of our uh, 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 friendly film critics, was the Bud Light Knight. Oh, that next guy. Next to... Uh, Pat Maroon? I, no, he was next to Petrangelo. Oh, really? Yeah, on the on the Bud Light uh, thing, because he works for uh, as a copywriter for an agency whose client... Is Bud Light. And they needed... Uh, and they looked at him, and they go, how tall are you? And that's how we got this. <laughs> and so he posted pictures online. I was just in the masses, Carl. I was looking for you, but we I were couldn't in the, find you. We were in you. the front row. I was on stage originally, and then I, we were down in the front, front row, right by the boom camera. So anytime you see a shot of that boom camera, I am immediately to the left of that from the stage. Uh-huh. We only have two movies this week. Yes, that we have that we have seen, and the big one is Toy Story Four, and we are huge fans of Pixar. But we were kind of wondering uh, whether Toy Story Four was necessary because we loved the perfect ending of Three. Now, I, now our buddy Max Foisy does not care for Three, but he agrees the reason he doesn't like Three is because he's too young. He was. He was a teenager, or no, yeah, he was a teenager when Toy Story originally came out in 1995. I was 24 years old when Toy Story came out, so I was the perfect age for that. I was um, nostalgia, and even though Pixar did not know how to uh, draw humans, uh, it it resonated, and then you had Toy Story 2, uh, two movies after that, because then you have A Bug's Life, and then they go into Toy Story 2, and then much later, they go into Toy Story 3. He did not resonate with three as much as he did two. He loves two, his first. And I don't know why I'm talking about Max because we should be talking about ourselves. Right. But there are a lot of people that don't care for the Toy Story as much as people of a certain age that are either younger or older. There's that demographic that just missed it right in there. They they have a they have an affinity towards the first one because they were young when they saw it. But if you are too old and, oh, that's baby stuff, you really need to, because you have kids now. And you can revisit all of these things. I think it resonates for me because it is the trajectory of my children. My children were 10 and 7 mm-hmm. when uh, the first Toy Story came out, and I was 40, just <laughs> FYI. And then uh, Toy Story 2, Two, we saw the night before Thanksgiving, 99, and absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. We couldn't believe it was better than the first one. Well, it's because they got better. And then 2010, when Charlie graduated from college, he was home that summer and he saw the screening of Toy Story 3 with me. And I teared up because it was all about the empty nest. Mm -hmm. It was all about, uh, you know, putting away your childhood toys, leaving childish things behind. And I blubbered. Mm -hmm. And so this one, I was, I didn't know what to expect, but it is so well constructed of a story and has so much emotion in it. that that's the thing that sets Pixar apart nobody stories can do with heart yes stories with heart they make sure I interviewed a guy from Pixar he was actually a St. Louis guy who worked on the first cars mm-hmm. he told which was me, my daughter's first movie in a theater 
Aha. Uh-huh. She nods yes. Perfect. So you re- you remember those those things. So he said they work really hard on the story mm-hmm. and, and 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 animation has advanced so much and this has such stunning vistas mm-hmm. and such detail. The the antique store, the yes. carnival, even the the landscape of the West. Well, it's it, it's from a story from Rashida Jones, which is really weird. That well, because you know you know her as well Quincy Jones' daughter, and you know her from The Office, and it's Rashida Jones and uh, Will McCormick, her writing partner. And then Andrew Stanton took a pass at it, and then uh, Stephanie Folsom, and they're both uh, they're both Pixar regulars, mm-hmm. and also Josh Cooley, who is our director this time. Yes, and, and he's first time director, but you would never know it. And John Lasseter also gets his name on there too, but he he gets a story, he gets a story credit. Well, because the original, right? Yeah, it's the original. But what they do with this is they deepen it. They advance it. They bring in new characters that are so funny and just a breath of fresh air. But they intensify Woody and Buzz. Actually, they kind of push Buzz off to the yeah, side. Yeah, they did. I but think that's more about Tim Allen than it is about yeah, Buzz. Which is which is true. But it is just, uh, I could not believe how enjoyable and entertaining and and how it just moved so well, and it had so much to it. But I do think nobody does wonder mm-hmm. or whimsy better. Well, after after Toy Story 3, they started doing shorts. They did Party Source Rex, and then they did t- the TV specials. They did the Toy Story of the Time Forgot, and they did Toy Story of Terror. And they continue to build on this world because there are references to all of those things in Toy Story 4. It's not, it's not that you just... Okay, Andy's finished because, no, they, they mentioned Andy in this movie, and they talk about what's going on. Dolly, played by Bonnie Hunt, is the leader of uh, Bonnie's room, not Woody, which is very interesting because there's a new dynamic that Sheriff Woody has to do. And since Bonnie's a girl, she sometimes takes off the sheriff badge of Woody and puts it on Jesse, which is also very – because they've moved from a boy's room to a girl's room. And even though she plays with every toy like she wants to, some Woody's not the number one toy anymore. And, no and yeah. there's Buzz because uh, Bonnie already had all these other toys. And so you've got – uh, Jesse's still in there, Joan Cusack. You have Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear, Tom Hanks as Sheriff Woody. You have Wallace Shawn as Rex. You have uh, John uh, Ratzenberger. At, well, hold on. Wallace Shawn as Rex. Ratzenberger is Ham. Uh, and then you have Estelle Harris as Miss Potato Head. And they used Don Rickles' line because at Toy Story Mania, Don Rickles, they just had him in the studio for like a long time and they just had him record all these lines. And so they asked the Rickles family if they could use some of the stuff that Don had recorded for them for all of these years since he's been involved since 1995 until his death a couple years ago. They had all these lines that they could use to keep Mr. Potato Head alive in this room. Uh, Blaine Clark is now playing Slinky Dog, which he has now for as long as uh, Jim Varney played Slinky Dog. Um, and Christian Shaw. Christian is the- Shaw is the Triceratops, and Jeff Garland is the unicorn, the fluffy white uh, unicorn. Timothy Dalton barely has anything to do as Mr. Prickly Pants, the uh, hedgehog with the uh, suspenders on. Uh, and then who else is in the. the that's Mel big- Brooks, what voice? Oh, was well, he- see, okay, so. Woody gets put off with the old children's toys, which is it's Betty White, Mel Brooks. Uh, Carl Reiner and Carol Burnett and they're all playing like she's she's a chair so she's Cheryl Burnett oh god but is it but yeah, they, it's, they don't, it's so they don't, cute they don't it's... give the, them names you find out the, all that stuff later and then they have uh, Carl Weathers as Combat Carl from one of the half hour shows which is great and I'm going to tell you right now Combat Carl there, there are different versions of Combat Carl stay till the very very absolute end to see an amazing joke do not leave even though you think there we'll talk about key and peel in a minute you think that all the key and peel stuff is the end of the movie stay to the absolute end to find one more joke at the end and it involves well it involves mr uh neo or john wick because you have keanu reeves playing 
Duke Kaboom. The From can- Canada. <laughs> the, the Canadian evil Knievel. And a lot of people didn't like in uh, Toy Story 3, they just said, hey, uh, where's Bo Peep? She's mentioned in one line, and then it goes away. And so um, then it they go back in time a couple years ago to find out where Bo Peep went. And she's now living on her own. She's a lost toy. She's a lost toy. She was oh, she was discarded and left for the. Well, no, she was donated. Yeah, she well, was donated, but then she, and that that's where we get to the uh, the antique store. I know, which is it's just so smart how they incorporated all of this. But when you were at the Disney stockholders, yes. Meeting shareholders. Mm-hmm. What did they say about Toy Story Four? Because didn't you see a preview of it? We did see a preview of it, and it didn't. Um, didn't it? I. They were very secretive about this, and I thought Bo Peep was going to be a villain. I'm not going to say whether she is or not, but it is a different type of story. It the, the Toy Story um, series of films have each gotten better and they've each gotten deeper and they've gotten more adult as these kids grow up seeing these movies they get more you you never you never had what toy story 4 dealt with in any of the first three movies because bonnie goes to school and she goes to kindergarten and she feels alone and woody wants to protect her so woody sneaks into her backpack which is also a, a, a major thing from one of the cartoons and also and so woody tries to protect her and the kids aren't necessarily playing with her so he take he goes in the trash and throws up uh some a spork and he throws up some uh popsicle sticks and he throws up some uh wire and so bonnie makes forky who Which, is a toy played tony by tony hale. hale from veep and arrested development a brilliant it's just if you want to have an anxious toy, <laughs> using <laughs> Tony Hale and is, so is good. Well, hey, be, before we for, uh, keep going, mm-hmm. Annie Potts. Annie is Potts is Bo Peep, Bo Peep returning. And she does a really good job. She she was the girlfriend before, but she wasn't. And we're gonna talk. I we really need to talk about how Disney has moved on from all about being girlfriends. We'll talk about that in a second, but. Tony Hale comes alive as a toy, and he does not understand it because he keeps wanting to. The, the first hundred words Tony Hale probably says are the word "trash," yeah, which is because so he funny. wants to go trash, trash. And so then there's a Randy Newman song about how you aren't trash <laughs> because you. There's a Randy Newman song, and everyone and a lot of people think that the Sarah McLaughlin, uh, when she loved me from Toy Story Two, is one of the most moving songs. Even though you got a friend in me and we belong together, all there's a great. But this trash song is both funny and poignant at the same time because of the visuals that are going on, and that Randy Newman still has it and still knows what to do in something like this. <laughs> I can imagine uh, that we need to do a song about uh, not being in the trash. All right, got it. And so Randy <laughs> Newman does that, and so it was. There's a series of events that get them to a it's carnival. A road trip. It's, it's a road ro- trip. It's an adventure. Yeah, it's, they they have a orientation for kindergarten, and then there's a week off before school starts. And since it's probably Labor Day, there's a carnival, and so there's a carnival and an antique store, which leads us to Gabby Gabby, played by Christina Hendricks, and she is the matriarch, and she's the head toy of this antique store. And then you have the carnival across the street where Jordan Peele and Keegan, <laughs> Keegan Michael Key play toys that are attached to each other, which is very funny because a lot of people think Key and Peele are attached to each other anyway. <laughs> but in the credits, it's funny. They put a name between them. They put up Jordan Peele and then they put somebody else's name and then they put up Keegan Michael Key, which I thought was great because that means they are now separated. Uh huh. Well, they are the plush toys that, that kids win they, they at were, the game. You saw them in the teaser commercials where Buzz Lightyear's stuck on the wall and he meets Key and Peele. And they are a a ducky and a chick. And a bunny. Bunny? Bunny and and ducky. Okay. Maggie's nodding yes. And so, and she also said that Cardboard Carl, not Cardboard, Combat Carl is in the first Toy Story. Sid blew him up. Oh. But I don't think it was Carl Weathers' voice because I don't think he had a voice because it was whenever Sid's around, you 
the toys didn't talk. Right. So, so you've got Gabby Gabby and you've got the bunny and ducky. And Gabby Gabby is like Chatty Cathy, which was one of my toys when I was in third grade. Okay. Yeah, the Chatty Cathy doll. You had a pull string. And and some people think those they're creepy. I they are. have always thought ventriloquist dummies were creepy and they have the most <laughs> the, just the just the way they use the ventriloquist dummies mm-hmm. in this antique shop mm-hmm. is inspired. And June, June Squibb plays the uh, owner of the antique shop and Jay Hernandez plays Bonnie's father, which is very funny. Jeff Garland as the uh, unicorn has a thing for Bonnie's dad. It's really, really funny, and it's an ongoing joke, and it's it's great. And Lori Medcalf and um, the original two uh, Andys are actually in. It's it's one Andy, but they had to get another kid to play a kid Andy. Right, it's a flashback in the beginning. They have a flashback at the very beginning. Because somebody asked me if you if you haven't seen three, can you go with four? And I go, yeah, you could because it's it's really a separate story. Although I mean, if you've watched them all, they all connect. But it does give you a little ba- you know basic wrap up of what happened in three. Kind of, yeah, yes. kind of. It does. And, and and very quickly, it lets you know what's going on, that Bonnie is the new owner of all these toys. And so hijinks happen. What I like about Toy Story 4 that is different than the first three movies, in the first one, the villain was Sid. In the second one, the villain is P- Prospector Pete. In the third one, it's uh, Lotso. And you have comeuppance and not redemption in toy story 4 you have a very definite villain but you do not have comeuppance you have redemption and i love that that they've moved on from we have to get even with our villain to having a redemption arc in an hour and a half movie and so that makes me think that even though they've done all these other things that i'm going to get to in a second that not everyone's bad. There's more. It's not black and white anymore. It's more gray. And just because this villain has its own, uh, their own uh, purposes for doing stuff, like what they've been doing with the Marvel movies, like Killmonger is not necessarily evil. He believes that Wakanda could have done better for African Americans because they had the resources to do so. This villain in Toy Story 4 does not believe what they're doing is wrong. They're trying to, they have an ends to means, and in their mind, it's not wrong. And therefore, when Woody and Buzz and everyone try to help them out, you want to help them out because they only want to be loved by children. And that was, that was not the case in the first three films. Yeah. What do you think, young lady? I agree. I agree. I agree with that. I think that this one deep, like you said, deepens the story, but also it shows you why this matters. Why do toys matter? Why, why, you know, it's both playful because it's really funny, mm-hmm. but it's very poignant too. It's very moving in terms of transition, finding your purpose, inclusivity. You know, they don't know what to make of this fork. Uh, they have to. The fork's him. trying to find its place in life too. Right, and 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 the the biggest thing was about the transition and moving on and letting go and holding on to your uh, family. Yeah, and and loyalty and friendship. It's got a lot of really nice beats to it in those regards. It's just not silly, but the slapstick is wonderful. It's well done. And it just zips along. It's a great pace. You don't even feel, uh, I mean, it doesn't even feel like it's an hour and a half movie. So what I've been trying to mention, this is not necessarily a love story. Disney's actually gotten away from love stories. I mean, there there's all the things about Bo Peep and Woody, but that's their toys. And that wasn't even a major part of the first Toy Story. And so you look at the movies that they've had since, let's say, 1995. What movies actually have been about love? They're, none of them. Not okay. I'm not. That's not true. Tangled this is there is more about uh, finding your parents rather than it, Flynn Rider is a great character, but she take Frozen. Frozen was not about uh, hooking up with hooking Prince up with Eric. the prince or 
hooking up with uh, Hans or hooking up with Kristoff. It was about sisterly love. Oh, and Prince Eric is Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. I'm sorry. Yes, it's, it's Hans. I'm sorry. Hans, the youngest of 13 boys. And so I actually turned to someone at, at the climax of Frozen and I said, she don't need no man because that's what this is all about. Okay, look at the last couple Disney and Pixar movies. Zootopia, Inside Out, Toy Story 3, Up. Ah, that's lovish a little bit. Coco, Incredibles, Incredibles 2, Ratatouille, Moana, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, Monsters, Inc. and Monsters University, Big Hero 6, Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Emperor's New Groove, Maleficent, Frozen. Those are not about a girl meeting a guy. It's not, Cinderella is not pining away for a prince anymore. Disney has moved away from that. And then now other franchises like uh, Kung Fu Panda, Ice Age, uh, the uh, Ghibli stuff, Ponyo, those are not, it's not what it was 50, 25 years ago. It's, it's all about finding purpose. It's not about finding a mate. It's not Disney princesses. Well, but the, but they're still still uh, Vanellope Van Sweets and Ralph breaks the internet. There's a great thing about all of those things and Brave. That's all about motherly love. It's not necessarily about finding a boyfriend. In fact, Brave is the opposite of finding a boyfriend. Oh, I know. Well, that's when you start talking about that. I was going to bring up Brave. I was like, yeah, Brave is for sure. Um, I think they concentrate more on family and friends now. I think they they you can count on girls. me, Moana. Yeah. Yeah, well, definitely empowering little girls, but I also think they really hit home Coco family. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it's, it's also friends. for little boys too. Yes, it's inclusive, right? And I'm I'm glad what they've. I'm glad they're not just trying to marry everybody off anymore. And Bonnie is playing with the boy toys, mm-hmm. you know, and except Woody. <laughs> yeah, well, she. I mean, she plays with everybody but Woody. I mean, she's playing with Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. I went and got out the uh, uh, Tim's Woody doll after I saw it. Because that that Christmas, 1995 Christmas, I got the Woody doll with the... And, with and the sheriff badge, yeah, and it's got it's got a pull toy, you know. But I mean, it's There's worse a snake for wear. On my boots. <laughs> There's it's worse for wear because you know it's 24 years old now. Right. But uh, that's one of the things too in the movie is they make them look they they have them dinged up mm-hmm. from playing. But you see, know. that is one thing that bothered me. Bo Peep looks better than she's ever did. Yes, she's got uh, a couple injuries, but Bo Peep, her face is porcelain and looks beautiful. And I don't know how that would happen especially if she was a lost toy you think that she her face wouldn't have been uh i mean that's a minor quabble to think about but i i was like oh wow bo peep looks great but it also is a testament to how much better the quality of these movies have become their detail is just so meticulous and so stunning you sit there and you can't believe it when you're watching everything in that antique store mm-hmm. and they have the old projector and oh, they have all those toys that's also that's an easter egg too if you look at the pictures uh if you, if you look at the films next to the projector one of them is lifted which is a short that leads into ratatouille and and one of them is uh well and they have tin toy there tin toys actually in the uh antique shop but the list of mo- movies that are next to the projector that are on real they are old Pixar shorts, which is very funny and very and, and I I know the Pizza Planet car is in it. I, it's either at the gas station, which is Dynaco, by the way, or it's a tattoo. My wife thinks it's a tattoo on somebody's leg, but I think it might be at the gas station. I, I don't know, and I didn't see A13 in there anywhere. I can't. Or I A113. Can't, I can't remember. But, uh, but let's keep an eye out and stay till the very end. And Keanu practically steals this movie. And he has a, he says, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I told people, I go, you got, I go, he has the best line. And it's at towards the end. But it's just genius the way they have uh, put this together. And I can't uh, say enough. I do think it's a wonderful movie for adults. And all the kids that grew up with these mm-hmm. will really enjoy it. Even if you were born in 2003, right? She says yes. 
I don't know if it's for little kids because somebody was. Yeah, the ventriloquist dummies might be if you have a five-year-old. Hey, let's start here. No, start with toy. Work their way up. But then again, the first one, Scary Sid's blowing up toys in the first one. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would say probably five and up because if you if but then again kids are desensitized to all this but the ventriloquist dummies are kind of unnerving it is unsettling they are unsettling because there's four of them and they have that evil and they walk around like uh like a twilight zone episode oh it's really creepy oh my daughter's laughing at that she thinks it's funny and then uh but i've always been creeped out by ventriloquist dummies especially that seinfeld episode but one of the most beautiful shots of this movie is involving humor it's the big giant moon Mm -hmm. and the Fireworks and Duke Kaboom sailing by mm-hmm. it, but like E.T. <laughs> yes, it's Duke Kaboom's really funny. And Forky, I, I don't want to say a lot about Forky, but I, I love Forky. Oh, it, it's just genius. The way, And the two mismatched eyes, because it's a craft project. Mm-hmm. Well, and it looks like a trash. Cra- I know, and it looks like a craft project. And when Woody and Forky are walking along the side of the road mm-hmm. on their adventure and having a, you know, heart-to-heart about life. I shouldn't exist. It's just, it's, you just recognize. But he has, a, he has a heart-to-heart with Gabby, too, and both for different kind of purposes, but Forky learns about life by talking to these other toys. Yeah, and it's it's funny when he gets all excited about who you know what he learns from each person. It's 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 just so well written and well done, and I don't see anything topping it. I gave it an A plus, and they were all shocked, but I just think it deserves that. I don't. It does. It's it's a worthwhile Pixar. It's it's worthy of the Toy Story name. Yeah, and I think we were all a little worried and a little apprehensive about it. Because no one thought this movie needed to be made. Right. And then they they did it again. And then they, yeah, prove you wrong. They're like, oh, no, yes, it does. Well, yeah, we can make a Star Wars movie. Yeah, and even people that don't like all these sequels, because we have talked about this, about the summer sequel fatigue, you know, the franchise fatigue. And some of this is just, oh, God, you know, after a while, you're just like, do we really need this? And then, then they just prove us wrong. Well, good. All right, let's talk about uh, the other... Well, see, there's also another toy movie coming out this week. It's Child's Play with a whole bunch of people and the original Chucky and Aubrey Plaza. And Brian Terry Henry is in it, um, but they did not screen screen it. it. And they didn't need to screen it, but they did screen Annabelle Comes Home, which we'll talk about next week, even though it comes out on Wednesday. And I will have seen all... I love The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. So do I. But uh, I didn't see because I knew that Annabelle was supposed to be bad, so I didn't see Annabelle, and then I didn't see Annabelle Creation, which is really good, and then I didn't see The Nun, and then I saw The Curse of La Llorona, but I didn't know it was part of the Conjuring universe, and so by the end of the year, by the end of next week, my daughter's saying, you should have known that. No, they didn't. It's only one scene. Don't write it down. You can speak. Anyway, <laughs> um I will have by the time we speak next week. I will have seen the entire Conjuring universe, and I have the I have the timeline of how it goes. So oh, good! It, it, will, it will be interesting. Good. Well, that Annabelle doll just totally creeped me out, and I just no, I have not uh, I have not watched those. But uh, we're embargoed till Monday, so that's why we can't talk that's about right. it now. And but, then, but there's the other movie, uh, Anna. Yeah, Anna, which is a gov- which is a beautiful government agent turned assassin. And uh, the last, it's Black Luc Besson. Man. It's Luc Besson who did the professional. Yeah. So Leon the professional. Sc- they did not screen this for us, but the other movie that we did not see is the Last Black Man in, in San, San Francisco. Francisco. And uh, I hear it's supposed to be really good. Yeah. So do I. It was when we taped uh, our podcast two weeks ago. We missed, missed the screening. screening. Yeah. Oh well. And that's it. But getting back to Child's Play. Interesting fun fact. Yes. Uh, this week we have two movies about animatronic toys. That want to kill you. Well, that all have a child named Andy. Oh. I didn't know that Chucky's owner was Andy. Yeah. So how about that? I did not know that. I know. Well, my son Charles, his uh, middle name is Andrew. So. And that's why. Yeah. No, that is not why. We, yeah, no. No, I'm just saying, you know, he... 
See, you would save your eraser if you just speak into the microphone. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the other movie, Ron Howard's documentary. He's done documentaries in the past. He's, of course, done the Apollo uh from the Earth to the Moon, he was a uh, he had right. that with Tom Yes, Hanks. and, and then, his Imagine uh, Entertainment does a lot of that. But and he, also did Eight Days a Week, the Beatles documentary about the Beatles touring years. And so now he's got the documentary bug, and he did one on the late Luciano Pavarotti, which is brilliant. It's really wonderful. It's I give it an A. If you don't know the difference between an aria and a, a mezzo soprano, yeah, or a, you know a countertenor and a a bel canto opera, I do not. Do not worry because really? he dumbs it down. Or it's well, it's, it's just it's, it's, it's accessible. Okay, that's what I said in my review. It's accessible to people because. Pavarotti was one of the most interesting characters of our lifetime. Yes. He was larger than life. He had this... Literally and figuratively. Right. He had this beautiful smile, brought everybody in. He brought opera to the masses. So this movie tells his early life from humble beginnings. His dad was a baker. His dad was a tenor, but he didn't pursue singing. And... uh, So wait, he could sing, he didn't do it professionally? No. And, and he died 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, so how do they have all this footage? How can they make something new out of something that he has been passed away since September of 2007? But they have so much accessible. There's never before seen footage. The beauty of the 20th century is that so much was preserved. Documented. <laughs> so much was preserved in audio and visual. When you hear that voice, because, you know, his his voice has been silent for 12 years. You know, he hasn't been in the news. He was a media darling. So. Right. And then the three tenors were yeah. huge. So this goes through his whole life. And they have extensive interviews. And they, they're they not just talking heads. They really explain things. They have him talking. I think his second wife recorded him talking about his life when he was sick. He died of pancreatic cancer. Nicoletta? Yeah, Nicoletta. That was his uh, second wife. He was married uh, for the first time, uh, 1961 to 2000. And Duna Veroni. Right. And she's interviewed extensively. And one of his daughters is not all he three. He has four kids. Three, yeah. Not all three uh, daughters by his first marriage are interviewed, but they do shed some light. But he had some affairs. Let's put it like that. And uh, there's one in the movie that was really a long time. Oh, wait. So wait, he has... So one of the kids is uh, an illegitimate child? No, 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 no. Um, we don't know. No, one of the uh, one of the opera women that is interviewed in this was one, one of his uh, lovers. Long, yeah. Mm. And so I heard from, from insiders that she basically gave up her career for him to see him succeed. And so... You know, he was from Italy, larger than life, a lot of, app, uh, you know. King big, of the high seas. Yeah, king of the high seas. What is so wonderful is because if you don't know about him, except his his later on years, the original years are so good. When he first did La Boheme, he was Rodolfo, and that's how he made his, his fame. And La Boheme was turned into Rent. Mm-hmm. So that's the basic story. But Rodolfo's a, a major character. So he got he got famous through that. But in 1972, he was at the Metropolitan Opera in New York, and he sang, uh, I forget what opera it is, but he, that's when he got his reputation as King of the High Seas. He got 17 curtain calls. Wow. Which is a record for the Met. 17 curtain calls. And then in 1973, Missouri plays a part in this story, which is so fun. William Jewell College. It's in Liberty, Missouri. They had a fine arts program, Mm -hmm. and he is there. And he was nursing a cold. He was perspiring. He was nervous. He got out a handkerchief, Mm -hmm. and that became his prop that he's known for. He always had that handkerchief. Hmm. If you see later on years... You know, so it just shows how he he became worldwide a famous person, and then he hooked up with Jose Carreras, mm-hmm. Placido Domingo, 
and they formed the Three Tenors. It is still the number one classical music album of all time. And they They're, did it for, was it the Olympics or yes, like the World Cup? It was the World Cup. It was the, uh, the 1990 World okay. Cup. And they, and they did Nessun Dorma, which is one of, mm-hmm. that's his signature and uh, that. And then he started becoming, because they sold out arenas. Right. And so the opera establishment. And you could take your grandparents to it. Yes. The, op, the opera establishment was horrified. Right. That he was becoming like why a are rock you not star. In the, why are you not in concert halls? Why, yeah. are you, why are you not at the Met anymore? Right. Why are because you cheapening yourself? But Because they were trying to make it to the accessible to the masses. Right. And so they were selling out uh, arenas all over the world. And uh, then... And Channel 9 spe- uh, PBS specials. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah. Oh, God. I'm sure. I think that, that those are probably some of the highest rated ones ever. And then he also um, uh, did this chair he, he just he did this benefit for princess diana mm-hmm. and it was raining and everybody had these umbrellas in the audience and, and people couldn't see and everything so he asked everybody to take down the umbrellas and princess diana was one of the first people to do it and he and princess diana bonded and they got hmm. to be great friends and he started that philanthropic oh god i say this wrong you said it right you know the, 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 the charities he started like Red Cross he did things so in his later years he was very concerned about giving back and he had these huge benefits for mainly children and education and then he got to be friends with Bono which he asked Bono to write him a song yeah they did this, they did a song together Miss Sarajevo mm-hmm. and that was about the transition because the Olympics uh, in uh, Sarajevo 1984 mm-hmm. and then was it yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it it was yeah because it might not. Yeah, you're right. So and then he was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and then so 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 Bono's interviewed in it. Obviously, Princess Diana can't, but they have a lot of footage of them together. And uh, then he um, the last public performance was at the Olympics in Turin, in in Italy. Yeah, which was that? Was a two thousand? But anyway, and and so it's just a it's a wonderful story about a real life legend that we don't 2006 know that much was about. The okay, last the Turin, um, Italy, and and, the, and then the Sarajevo was in the nineties. I want to say right. ninety six. Yeah. And then, because they they came out, Brian Eno and Mm -hmm. Bono Bono. and uh, a couple other uh, famous, and The Edge, and they did Miss Sarajevo, but they also did One, and they recorded, and then... Oh, well, then One, One's 2000. Right, but they, they, you know, they all got together and did these benefits. Oh, okay. But the Miss Sarajevo is on, what album is it on? I can't remember. But it's if you go to YouTube and you plug in Miss Sarajevo... You hear his voice. It's, just... it's on original soundtracks one. Okay, and they're not they're not credited as U two and Pavarotti. They're pe- credited as passengers. That's right. I forgot about that. That's it's right. A, it's a, but it's also on the best of ninety to two thousand. Right, because I do have all of the U two catalog. So, um, so anyway, I highly recommend this. It's not just for highbrow people. It's not just. Do for... they interview? Do they interview the other two tenors? Yes. Mm-hmm. And Zuba Mehta, who was the conductor. Okay. And they have a lot of the the they have a lot of the big stars of the opera world. Mm-hmm. People and, that we wouldn't necessarily know, but unless you follow that, right? And apparently, he wasn't much on technique. Mm. And he just sang. I know. And uh, he learned how to breathe through uh, because of Joan Sutherland, a famous opera singer. He was on tour with her. She asked him to go with to Australia with her and that's how he learned how to breathe and oh. stuff. So he he wasn't really one of these, you know, like oh, we're going to we're going to have these uh master classes and you're going to learn everything. He it just, just was, was a natural. good he was a natural singer. Now is Ron Howard in the movie at all? No. Does does he is he a is he a voice in the background at all or is he just let the story tell itself? He lets the story and his editor from the Beatles movie, Paul Crowder, who has been uh, known for doing music documentaries mm-hmm. and I think he did one on Springsteen. He edits this movie and it's ch- the way they weave all the clips, mm-hmm. all the audio, all the interviews. It's really seamless and it, it's it's just a really well-crafted story one of the things about Pavarotti which is to me that's his hallmark is he 
felt every word of what he sang, and you feel that mm-hmm. when he sings. He's a natural, just a natural. It's a God's gift. Well, so yeah. two movies that you should see this weekend. Also, okay, here's let's talk about what's out on the DVD. Us is out on DVD. I still have not seen it, even though there was a wonderful parody of it uh, by uh, Zachary Levi at the MTV Movie and TV Awards the other night. It was very funny because uh, June uh, Raphael uh, likes the Us version of Zachary Levi better than <laughs> than the actual Zachary Levi did. And Wonder Park came out this weekend. Animated. Animated. Um, and Hotel Mumbai, which Hotel, we need to see because Dan just raved Dan about it. Dan loved it. And then Under the Silver Lake. I don't know what that is either. I don't either. It's a crime suspense movie. And then there's another movie that is foreign- it's in Spanish, No Manchas Frida Dos. I don't know that one either. But Dan says we need to see Hotel Mumbai even though it's very uncomfortable. And it's Army Hammer and it's, uh, uh, I just forgot his name, Dev Patel. Dev Patel. And uh, it's, it, you know, it, it's a story of our time. It's hostages in a hotel. Right. It's terrorists. So, uh, and it's based on a true story. So we did not see any. Yeah, we. <laughs> well, I saw us. You saw us, and do I, you recommend it? No, I still, <laughs> I stand by it, even though I've had multiple discussions by people who love it. I still stand by it. Not as it's not as good as Get Out. No, but but then, my wife you didn't know, like Get Out. That's a high. Yeah, that's a high bar. I my problem with it is the story to me falls apart. Mm. The failed American dream. That's what us is about, my daughter says. Yes, it is. And it has a lot of microphone right there. You can just talk into it. But then if you if you start if you start going back and trying to figure things out, connect it. Does it make sense? I will say Oh, kinda like Avengers Endgame? Yeah. I will say there are so many um Jordan Peele is a master Mm -hmm. of the jump scare. Yeah. But but and, and I would say that Get Out was not jump scares. No, but it's it's so scary, and the acting is quite good. It's mm-hmm. just that if you figure it out early on, the big twist, mm-hmm. then it it makes no sense. Winston Duke, Peter Nalongo, uh, Shahandi Wright, Joseph, and then Elizabeth Moss, oh. and and then the neighbor guy that she's married to that I, I'm blanking on his name. He's very good. In it, it's it's truly frightening, and uh, it's really well. It's just to me, the ending. I, I heard that they had to go back and reshoot it. It still doesn't make sense. The ending just ruined the whole thing for me. Did Dan like us? I think he did. He did. He did. I, I still. Have, I will see it. I promise you, I will see it. Uh, oh, it's Tim Heidecker from yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim and Eric. Yeah, that's right. I knew it was somebody that was connected and Evan to Alex the, is the little boy to the to the. Uh, oh, the little boy is so creepy. The the family. It is. It's the nuclear sitcom family turned the failed upside American down, dream, as your daughter says. Yes, yes. She's, she's and she's and good it's like good. If she, even if she won't talk. When you mentioned End Games, I will say they're releasing it with new footage. Yeah, no. One deleted scene and then one tribute. Oh. So that's all. And that's just to get the $4, billion, or $4 million that they need to surpass Avatar. Oh. So, yeah. Interesting. Yes, it is. All right. Um, let's talk Muni for a second. Yeah. Uh, Kinky Boots this weekend. Next week is 1776, and we both already talked about Guys and Dolls. What about the new state? Because... Mike Isaacson, who runs the Muni, and he said that you will find more things about the stage as each uh, show goes on because each one is going to highlight something new. What did Kinky Boots highlight new about the stage that we didn't? I think the improved uh, – oh, no, I'm just totally blank. The the stage. The the circle? Mm -hmm. the, The record player? Because they use that very little in Guys and Dolls. Right. And I think the staging, and I think the way... The circular stage that is on a track. They lit it Mm -hmm. beautifully. Now, the sound wasn't as spectacular as the first one. No. But I don't know if that was... I don't know if that was because we did see lightning in the background. (laughs) And I was getting really freaked out. But uh, if John Shiver did the sound with Mm -hmm. David Patridge... John Shiver won the 
Tony Award for the sound for Kinky Boots. Oh, wow. And he's one of the Muni sound guys. So if they did it for this this show, then uh, that is. But I thought the lighting was. And Kinky Boots is based on a movie from the early 2000s. And then uh, Cindy Lauper turned it into a musical. Right. And won Best Book and Best Musical, I think. It won Best Musical. Um, I mean, it won Best Musical. Uh, she won for score and lyrics. Okay, so. It won orchestrations, and Billy Porter won for playing Lola. And this guy, Jay Harrison G, hmm. out, out Billy Porter's Billy Porter. And we have a mean girl that's taking a week off from from doing Mean Girls on Broadway to be here in St. Louis. Now, is that supposed to be known, or was that, that was a surprise opening night, but now I guess the word's out of the the cats out of the bag right well she was she was announced okay um early on because i get all their press releases and she was announced uh as because taylor lauderman played lauren on broadway and so she took a week off of being a mean girl on broadway to come back to the muni for a week right she is tony nominated as regina and i will give her credit for staying as long as she has with mean girls because a lot of the stars will leave after a year right a year and then they move on but she's or they tour She's still in it. She has really come into her own. She's from Bourbon, Missouri. She was a Muni kid. Bourbon, right down 44. Yeah, a Muni kid, Muni teen. She wow, was. she commuted from Bourbon? That's crazy. That's like uh, almost an hour away. Yeah. Yeah, and she was in Greece as mm-hmm. Sandy. She was oh, wow. legally blonde, L. Yes. Um, Mike Isaacson cast her in Bring It On on the Broadway. And that was her first Broadway show. And the last time she was at the Muni was in Aida. And I will say she stole the show as Amneris. I thought she was good. So was that 15? 2015? I think so. Yeah. Did you see Aida at the Muni? No, she did not. Okay. Okay, So that was the one with the girl from Destiny's Child. Is the Michelle Michelle, Williams? mm, No, Michelle Williams was married to Heath Ledger. Yeah, but the other, but there is that other one that's in. It's Beyonce, Michelle, and Kelly. Right, and that Michelle. Okay. Was Aida. Oh, okay. And and it had um, Patrick Cassidy's, had Patrick Cassidy, Shirley. Jones's son. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that because Shirley Jones also was a Muni kid. Well, not Muni kid, but she started in the Muni productions. Right, right. And so, so uh, Taylor Lauderman was was brilliant as Amneris, just so good. And, 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 and she's, but she doesn't have that big of a role in Kinky Boots, though. No, it's not as big as her talent. She has come into her own. She has a standout number in this that she just kills because she didn't get the entrance applause. Oh, because. If you notice, she's in the office mm-hmm. with Charlie. And so she's already on stage. And nobody really knows that that's her. Mm-hmm. So she didn't get the big, you know, oh, it's well, Taylor Ken Page Lauderman. didn't even get that for Guys and Dolls, yeah, which is fine. But but uh, Graham Scott Fleming got entrance applause. for. Okay. So there must be somebody. Uh, okay, so this Jay Harrison G is on a show on HBO called High Maintenance. Mm-hmm. But the line for the autographs at the stage door was all the way down, just like Club and Blue. So these guys must have some, some uh, TV slash movie credits that mm-hmm. I'm unfamiliar with because... Who would know who these guys well, are? I know Jay Harrison. He was on... Uh, but you said Jay Harrison G? That's his name. Yeah, right. G-H-E-E. Hmm. Or is it Gee? I don't know. Uh, you were right. It's Michelle Williams from... It's Kelly Rowland, Michelle Williams, and Beyonce Knowles. You're right. But um, I don't know who he is. Because now I'm going to look him up. J. Harrison, G-H-E-E. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the the leads are sensational because they are all acclaimed for doing it other places. Like Jay Harrison G., who plays Lola, he was in an international tour. Charlie was in the Toronto Kinky Boots, and Taylor Lauderman was in the Broadway Kinky Boots. And there's two other minor characters that are from the Broadway show. That is a stroke of genius by Mike Isaacson because – their experience shows, and this is a really good ensemble. It's it's really crisp. It moves. When the, the angels come up on those lifts, that's another thing that stage. When the mm-hmm. angels come oh, up on well, the they, lifts. Well, they did it with the guys and dolls, too. But this one was mm-hmm. got the applause. 
this one got the wow moment. So it just is. And I'm wondering, the thing about 1776 is the huge cast. And so I'm wondering how, well, I guess with the tree gone, it won't matter. Yeah, well, it's got a lot of mini regulars in it, and I'm looking forward to it because it's very rarely done because it has so many guys in it. Yes. All right. Um, What else do you want to talk about? Well, we have uh, John Hamm, uh, fresh from his appearance at the NHL Awards. Did you watch the NHL Awards? I did not. I was watching Annabelle. Well, I heard that. uh, I haven't seen this clip. He came out and introduced... Uh, the Blues nominees and yes. uh, the players, and they played Gloria. Yes, I did. Know, I do know that. Well, he has just been cast in Richard Jewell by Clint Eastwood. It's about the the Atlanta security guard that got accused. Right, of and they had sending... they had to apologize on, uh, or they had to apologize to him on Saturday Night Live. I remember. And they also. Um, he, he he his reputation was forever damaged and mm-hmm. so was his health and he died, he died at age 44 mm-hmm. i remember seeing him on cuz they had him on saturday night live at on weekend update and they apologized to him while it was that was like part of his thing cuz they accused him and then he was apologized. and then of course you know uh, Don Draper, a.k.a. John Hamm, is on Good Omens on Amazon right now. Which is the the Christians all petitioned Netflix because to it's, take it off. Yeah, because it's a joint production between BBC and Amazon. And so the British, some British, uh, uh, hey, my wife's texting us all. Um, some British Christian group said, oh, we're going to get this off the air and so they petition netflix and it's an amazon show and amazon amazon's uh, head of programming said don't tell them yeah and uh, uh amazon tweeted netflix hey netflix if you, you should... take off uh stranger things will um take off um uh, you know good omens yeah it's really funny because now it's become this thing they wanted to get rid of cards again oh. as well well it's uh it's <laughs> Oh, my daughter's really upset about that. So it's... Uh, I have to use the dictionary when we play that. <laughs> Let's see. So uh, it's David Tennant and Michael Sheehan and John Hamm. Right. And in this new Richard Jewell movie, Paul Walter Hauser, whose name I forgot last week as one of the writers in Late Night. Okay. He's playing Richard Jewell. It also has Kathy Bates. It has um, John Hamm's an FBI agent. And Olivia Wilde plays a reporter. And interesting enough, both her parents were journalists. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And then uh, we've got Toy Story RV coming to Keener Plaza. Yeah. Tomorrow. It's 10 to 3. I don't know. It's going to be it's, crappy outside. So. And it's going to have all sorts of, you know, contests and, and same- photo ops. And it's going to have some of the characters. Oh, nice. Yeah. Kind of like your own uh, Disney Hollywood Pixar Studios here in St. Louis. Also, St. Louis Comic Con is this weekend out in St. Charles. It is Saturday and Sunday. Is that the Arch Con? No, it's St. Louis Comic Con. That's what it's called. Oh, really? Okay, so it's not not the Wizard World people. No, it is not. Oh, okay. uh, Actually, it's guys out of Chicago. And they've been doing it for a couple years now. And my daughter and I are going to be going there. Do you want to say anything about it? No, she does not. But she's well, very. She has. A, she can't speak because she has such a big grin on her face. Oh. And she, uh, one of the Power Rangers is going to be there. <laughs> and I do think. Th- I think of the. I think one of the Pink Power Rangers is going to oh. be there. Well, any anime? Because I know you're a big fan of anime. Any anime people? Um, yes, there are going to be artists there as well. Well, another thing uh, this weekend is Sunday night. CNN is going to run Apollo, Apollo 11. Eleven, which is what we thought all along mm-hmm. with them coming out with it. So it's seven or I think it's seven o'clock. Eight, but uh, it's definitely because it's the anniversary. Worth. Uh, well, no, that's July twentieth. Oh, they're then. just getting a jump start on it. They're just getting a, a you know jump start. When you mentioned Kinky Boots, uh, mm-hmm. this week is Pride Weekend in St. Louis. The parade is uh, sa- Sunday, and we have Kinky Boots at the Muni. We have the Boy from Oz at Stages St. Louis, which is about the gay entertainment uh, showman Peter Allen, mm-hmm. and then uh, and so- played on Broadway by Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Jackman, who won the Tony. Mm-hmm. 
and it was the first Australian production to ever mount on Broadway. Boy from FYI, Oz. yeah. It's a very delightful show. I've seen both of them. They're both worth your time. And then Hedwig and the Angry Inch is at the Q Collective. It is so weirdly good. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, uh, that thing. Doogie. Neil oh, Patrick Harris. He played him in the movie. Yeah. Well, he won the Tony for uh, Hedwig. And it's Luke Steingruby, and it's at the Monocle this weekend. And so that is uh, wrapping up uh, celebrating pride in entertainment. And it's kind of a it's kind of a major step forward for the Muni and for stages. You know, it is mm-hmm. 2019. So, uh, you know, the crowd seemed really into it. I was really happy to see that I didn't see people walking out. No. So that's good. Denzel Washington got the AFI tribute last night, the Lifetime Achievement Award, and Spike Lee gave it to him. I taped it, mm-hmm. but I was gone to the theater, so I haven't watched it yet. And then did you watch the MTV Awards? Uh, we watched the first half of it. I used to never miss those, and now it's totally just a blip. Well, it was it was the lowest rated one in a long time, um, but the, I did like the. Uh, it was all about positivity, and it wasn't normally it was about uh, you know, being dirty and being gross, and there's still a little bit of that. But this was all about positivity and uh, loving each other and building your potential. They showed pictures of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Zachary Levi and Kumail Nujami when they were 14 years old and how the, and uh, Dave Bautista, how, how these people that you think are now big stars, how they looked at 14. And so, and that's telling the kids, hey, look, you, you look like these kids now. You can be them when you grow up. Just don't stop living your dream. Oh, well, that's a good, that's that's a good a very movie. good message. Yeah, it is. I heard that uh, Brie Larson brought her stunt doubles, doubles mm-hmm. on stage with her. Because she won for Best Fight, and she's like, it's not fair for me to win Best Fight. These are the two women that did everything in those fight scenes. I was only there for close-ups. Well, that's really awesome. Smart. And then uh, Sandra Bullock got an award, and she talked Dedicated about- Dedicated to her kids. <laughs> she said- uh, I made a movie about family that you cannot watch until you're 21. And I have not seen Bird Box. I've seen Bird Box. So I saw Bird Box before I saw A Quiet Place. Oh. Because I'd always heard that, uh, well, it's just that, and they're two different movies. But yes, I, I understand why there are comparisons made. All right, Lynn, next week we have two big movies coming out. Annabelle Comes Home and Yesterday, Danny Boyle's What If Picture. And yes. if you don't know what a what-if picture is, we'll talk about that next week. It's, a, For example, Man in the High Castle is a what-if. That's what if the Hitler, Nazis won. Yeah, what if Hitler was in charge Glorious of the world. Bastards is what if oh, Hitler yeah. died. Oh, yeah. And and we also, you get to talk about Annabelle and... Uh, Everything and, of the Conjuring universe. And then there is Midsummer, which is the next effort by the Hereditary director. Yeah, that and it's seems got, really weird. I know. I'm going to go just because it does seem weird. But you know who's in it? The brother in Sing Street. Oh, Jack really? Rayner. Yeah, I saw brother. his name. Yeah, mm. and I thought, well, I got to watch this. I saw the trailer for it, and I said, I don't know. Next week, we will have a third person, one that will talk. Just just say hi or something. <laughs> no, nope, does not care. She is here. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. All right, beautiful. I'm Carl the Intern Middleman. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern, and you can hear me on 97.1 all the time, and you can hear me on the Big 550 KTRS at Max on Movies every Saturday night. And I'm Lynn Venhouse, and I'm in the timesnewspapers.com, which is Webster Kirkwood Times, South County Times, and West End Word. And I am on KTRS every Thursday. And then Carl and I and a special guest are... Dan was actually supposed to be mm-hmm. here yesterday, but you had to go see 101 Dalmatians. How was that? It was it's ad- for children. Adorable. It's adorable. It's so cute and so good. And these little, t- it's so well acted and so well done. It's at Stages St. Louis, and I highly recommend it. It's only thirty minutes. Is it? Do they do those at Chaminade still? No, they. It's at Stages. Oh wow! Robert, they do. They do two shows at the same time. Yeah, it's at. Um, it's at the Robert G. Rhyme Theater in Kirkwood, Kirkwood. the Kirkwood Community Center, and uh, yeah, they have a stage within a stage because really, Boy from Oz is a lot of lights, mm-hmm. a lot of grids, and so they have this adorable cartoon-like set, 
and the cast is uh, wonderful. And Cruella Deville is mm-hmm. an actor from New U- New York, and he slays it. And hit Brad Musgrove. Cruella Deville's a man. Yes. Okay. And the wigs. Well, they are did gr- this show a couple years ago because I remember she and I saw it. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, they. Uh, yeah, he's great, and the wigs are great, and the costumes. Brad Musgrove is the resident. A costume designer at stages mm-hmm. and he never met a sequin he didn't like oh and this one does great things with the fake fur and that and uh it's Wait, just they didn't kill real dogs for this <laughs> no and every dog is different to match their personality oh, nice. every costume is different they have their little name to, and they have and it's just adorable there's a lot of webster grads in it and it's just really i just can't say adorable enough so I'm really uh, sorry that Dan couldn't make it this week, but uh, hopefully soon. And then we have a new roster of people that Mm. want to join us. Yes. So that's good. So happy weekend. Uh, It's the last, is it? It's summer solstice today. Yeah. The longest day of the year. Tomorrow's the first full day. So yeah. All right. So enjoy your summer. Bye-bye. Bye.